Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. This week, we have a special guest with us to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. How's everyone doing today? You all doing well? I want to share something really awesome. Someone before the service told me that I actually should move the mic up closer to my mouth. And so I need to be heard more. And I said, really? That's a first? You're my favorite person ever, okay? So if anybody during the sermon uh, says, hey, it's getting a little too loud. Go back to earth here, bud. Put it down. Just, just give me a little signal and I'll, I'll put it down. But it's great to be with you all here today. I hope everyone had a good month of January, hibernation month as they call it. Um, uh, for me, it's been a month of just uh, heavy thoughts as I feel like almost all of my friends have suffered from COVID in one way or another or form of health challenge. It's just been one of those months. Um, just having those thoughts for all of those that I care about and know so well um, that are just having seasons in life maybe, no matter how old they are or how healthy they thought they were, uh, it's just been maybe a month of humility. Maybe you can uh, share likewise. Um, no matter what, we know, we know that God is good. Uh, but I, I would challenge all of us to, to seek to go further than that. Uh, we all can instinctively as believers say, oh, God is good. Praise the Lord, he's risen. Absolutely, he is. I would like us, though, to, to be challenged to, to intimately know such a fact. I really think it's impossible to know that intimately without exploring the um, can I say categories that we're going to go to talk about through God's word today um, pertaining to wisdom. Now, a lot of you all, I believe, are parents in this room. I myself now am. I love my little son to death. He turns six months next month. We got him dressed for the occasion today. He looks great. He's good to go. He's a strapping little young man. Uh, but I want to be able to convey wisdom to my son. You probably all can, can say likewise and have said that as your kids either grew up or are growing up right now. Um, but wisdom is, is, is interpreted wrongly in our culture very, very much. I would say that is uh, one of those things that we can say both inside and outside the church that maybe in likewise manner, believers and unbelievers alike just don't always understand the fullness of what wisdom means. So there's a lot to unpack today in God's word. Luckily, uh, the Holy Spirit, as always, really, really does the heavy grunting and heavy lift work here because he is going to show us exactly what wisdom is and how we should apply it as believers. So if you would, pray with me before we open God's word. Father, your word is powerful. Your word is living and active. Lord, communicating your word is a difficult task. And I'm not even talking about myself. I'm talking about all of us as we go about our lives, because that is what we're here to do. Father, as we communicate your word, as we live it out in our, our circles, in our communities, in our, within our lives, may it be evidenced by wisdom. Wisdom is only, uh, true wisdom is only possible through you. Believers with, with wisdom given from above, from the Father above, are believers with changed lives, changed workplaces, changed marriages, changed outlooks, and prayerfully changed hearts and those around them. 
Give us a correct perspective as we enter your word today, God. Help us to understand that we are entering into the mission field as we leave this place later today. This is not the fullness of our, of our existence as believers here right now. This is our time for rejuvenation among fellow believers, a time for refueling before we go back out into the world of who knows what may happen. And as today we learn about wisdom, may we all, myself included, if necessary, selfishly pushing to the front, may, may, may we learn from you, Lord. May I learn from you. The reason that we're here is to catch a glimpse to hear from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, not to hear from Caleb. So may we push that aside, any word from man, anything that's, that you would not wish us to hear, Lord, push it out of our minds so that we are solely focused on you, our true King. Father, we echo the prayer requests that have already been said in this room and maybe some that are, that are unsaid. Um, but we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world dealing with different health challenges, different evangelism challenges, persecution, war, dealing with different repercussions from policies created of late that might hinder going around the world as, as some are accustomed to. Give this body of believers today an understanding that the world is bigger than just their outlook, Lord, and you see the whole world. You see the whole act. You see the whole parade. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart for, that breaks for what breaks yours, Lord. Bless this time we have spent together in your word, and may it be used to strengthen us for, the, uh, for your kingdom and your service. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. You take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs. You had to know we were going to Proverbs, right? As soon as you bring up wisdom, that, that's definitely a, uh, a church cliche phrase, I would say. Uh, but but it, is, it honestly is said so with good intent and honestly is very accurate because it is the proverbs at large are mostly written by the wisest man ever to walk the face of the earth solomon uh, we, we we know the story of solomon as believers a, a brief synopsis recap right he's the son of david he at growing growing up as he was a young man and is widely believed that solomon already was a handsome, smart young man, just strapping guy, you know, definitely not one that was seen to be lacking in any of those human categories. But he, according to the scriptures, he encountered the Lord in a dream, which is known to be significant in that time and should be significant in our time because obviously that removes all control from Solomon. He's asleep. Right? The Lord appears to him. This, this is the Lord's doing. And, and through Solomon's humble asking, that God said would, he would grant whatever he asked him, which is amazing, by the way. Solomon asked for wisdom. You know, I, 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 maybe some of you know of this uh, famous athlete, Shaquille O'Neal. He said one time on a talk show that he will tell waiters and waitresses at restaurants, they'll, uh, he will say, look, I'm not putting any amount on this tip before they get upset. He goes, because that's for you to do. You put whatever you want and it's covered. If I'm that waiter, <laughs> I'm not saying, 
Can you teach me basketball, Shaq? Can you give me some wisdom of how to body up in the paint? When you destroyed that dude last week, teach me how to do that. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to say teach me basketball. I'm going to say, hey, teach me how many dollar bills you got with double zeros on them in your wallet. Put them down. Give me some money. I want this amount of money in my tip, right? It is easy. When someone says, without limits, you can have whatever you want, the flesh takes over, right? Solomon, though, interesting. He says, Lord, I need wisdom. Not just, I want wisdom, not, not, not just, Lord, I want you to make me the smartest person ever, so everybody looks at me and goes, whoa. No. He says, I need wisdom. I am going to be ruler. If I'm, going to, I'm ruler by birth, but if I'm going to be ruler in actuality, give me your wisdom, God. And it says, based on the original languages, God was impressed. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. And he says, not only will I give you wisdom, I'm going to give you everything you didn't ask for. That's the equivalent of me talking to Shaquille O'Neal. And he says, wow, because you asked for basketball advice, I want to empty my bank account and give you some basketball advice. Let's go. That, that's the equivalent on a minute scale. So Solomon is now not only the, 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 the uh, um, wisest man ever, he's the wealthiest, has the most prestige, power. People came, remember this, no cars, no planes, no trucks, barely any horses, and people are coming from everywhere to hear this man's wisdom. Okay? We learn just as much about his ending. And I, before we get into the scripture, I do, it's very appropriate we paint an accurate picture of Solomon. Because though he was the wisest of all men, he was just that, a man. We all know this. We're all humans here, right? <laughs> We're all humans here. We are fallen beings. We need, and prayerfully as we grow in Christ, crave accountability. Someone to basically tell us what's really going on because we up here, we can get a little, you know, as, as life goes on, right? We, we just, we, we don't understand. Maybe some of you know this. Maybe you've been in a situation in life. I don't care what the context is. It's super comfortable. Maybe it is you're dating somebody and it is a fantastic relationship. It is God honoring. It's perfect. Y'all are perfect. She's perfect. I think you're perfect. You just go with it, right? Maybe you're different. Maybe you're in a work situation. And guess what? You are the man. You are the woman, if you will, right? You are the top person. People go to you with advice. People go to you because you know what's going on. You're comfortable. Maybe finances are this way. Likewise, you can fill in the blank, okay? You are in that situation for so long, you start to become deluded. People are telling you you're the man at work. You're like, I am the man. I know what's going on. In fact, I'm going to tell my superiors that I'm the man. I know what's going on. And that's when you walk out of the door with an empty box and a pink slip. But there, there's many scenarios, right? P fill in the blank. The relationship, sports, you, you get deluded. Your, your perspective of reality changes. Solomon didn't have that accountability. And guess what? Just like anybody else in the world, there was temptation. And there was a lot of temptation. What often the nations would do in order to build unity and peace against other nations that could be very problematic, they would intermarry. They saw it as a way to strengthen a bond. 
ironically using in the form of marriage the verse in Ecclesiastes that talks about a rope intertwining. They would do that figuratively through marriage. They would use it as a tool to build unity, prosperity, and safety. Now, Solomon maybe doesn't, doesn't say if it was overnight, like it was like a, an intentional change, or if it was what I believe is true, something more gradual as, he, as the cliff kind of eroded and he fell down his own path, that it turned from uh, an allegiance marriage to, to something based on lust. And before you know it, he had more women and wives than you and I could count. And so some, I, I've heard a practical pastor joke that some guys said, wow, if only our churches were that big as Solomon's amount of wives that he had. The wisest man became a fool. The wisest man, the man, right? No accountability. Nobody speaking truth into his life that he listened to. If at all, there are very few. Solomon was a man, right? He, was, he is not God. He's not like he's, oh, there's the Trinity and there's Solomon. No, no, he was gifted by God with wisdom. And we're going to benefit from that today because this is very accurate what we're going to read today. But keep in mind that wisdom, just because you make a wise decision, just because you are given wisdom by God, that does not mean you get to play it easy and lay down and relax. So... On that note, take that as you will. But we'll begin in Proverbs 1. We are going to read through some verses of two different chapters because I feel there's very close parallels in these texts. So we will begin in Proverbs chapter 1. If you would stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word, we're going to be reading Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 9. Solomon writes, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, verse 8, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. May God richly bless the reading and hearing of his word today. You may be seated. So we see in Proverbs chapter 1, we see, of course, that these are indeed written by Solomon. The, the proverb is entitled in, in my Bible, of course, humanly inserted, but very accurate. It says, the beginning of knowledge. Now, you, you think to yourself, oh, that's funny. I thought we were talking about wisdom. Great catch if you thought that, because it is a very important point we have to begin with, that wisdom and knowledge are not the same. This is what so many of us, myself included, mess up on all the time. And this is what I was alluding to earlier, where believers and non-believers alike are very similar in this regard. We think of wisdom just in the knowledge sector, right? Oh, he's so wise. He knows so much. Oh, she is so wise. She knows exactly every fact that I can come up with. Oh, wow. 
This guy plays great game of chess. He's, he's, he's wise. <laughs> wisdom is not just knowledge. Knowledge is one area of wisdom. Of course, if you know things in your head and your heart, knowledge, that is a part of being wise. I mean, to, to be wise, you have to know something, right? <laughs> But where we, we err in, in, in our lives is that we leave it there. Like so many other areas of our lives, we'll be honest as believers before each other today, right? That we're, we can be challenged in this area. Sometimes we're, we're, we're guilty of, of, with the word of God, we internalize it, we get it into our minds, we read it, and then it just sits there, right? Like a pill dissolving in water, it just kind of dissipates, it doesn't really go anywhere. It's not digested into our lives. It's not lived out through us yet. It's just internalized. And just so sad to say that we have Christian universities across the world that are filled with, with professing believers whose heads are like hot air balloons about to explode because you have so much knowledge, so much accurate theological knowledge even, that is not being applied and is not being lived out. Friends, that is not wisdom. That is knowledge, but it is not wisdom. We see that in verses 2 through 3, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. Look how inseparable wisdom and instruction are. Have you ever seen somebody who, who just, they know a lot. They're a smart person. And you ever wonder to yourself, they seem smart, but they really don't seem teachable. They seem like they, they know what's going on. That's really great. I want to learn from them. But they really don't seem like, like when corrected, they just like, they bite back, like instinctively. Like it's just, it's almost like they cling to the knowledge and there's really no instruction going on. They're not able to be taught anything. It's as if I know everything and all I'm going to do is talk about what I know from now on. If it's not said, it's definitely insinuated and maybe lived out. But to be truly wise, we have to be willing to learn. A common example is in the different stocks markets in these days, right? The stock markets. People, all these high-profile investors are always saying, you never really know. You have to keep learning. Never think you've arrived because it could all be gone. They keep a humble perspective to, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. Verse 4 continues, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and what? Increase in learning. If you are going to teach others, you have to be willing to learn. It's not, it's not just a poetic phrase that James says, not many of you should become teachers. Because you know that those who teach are judged with greater strictness. When James brings that up in the New Testament, he says it like a fact that everyone knows it. Basically, if he was speaking, he would, he would say something like, he's in the middle of his talk, and then he says off to the side, well, you know, because you know that those who teach are judged more strictly. As if everybody needs to know this. That is supposed to be an understood fact, that if you are going to teach, there is stricter judgment. Some might say, especially in our world, they might say, oh, that's, that's totally unfair. How, how, how dare that anyone judge what I'm teaching? Really? If you are considered knowledgeable enough to teach, you better be able to receive instruction in that so you continue a humble perspective and so that you continue to have that open mind. Why? Because we need to have ears to listen. We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. 
And some of us, you know, like me, we're all tempted to have five mouths and no ears, right? Which would look really weird and, and, and just kind of creepy. But it, it's, it's very accurate, isn't it? To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The point of verses 1 and 6 I want to make is just that very first point, that we, we see wisdom, knowledge, and understanding and teaching. They are all synonymous. Nobody has arrived at a point, okay, here's your certificate. As a believer in Jesus, you're good. You're done. You don't get to learn anymore. Go have a great life. Nobody ever says that. The Word of God says the exact opposite. The way up is down. You think you know a lot? You think you're wise? Go serve. Go apply this. You want to teach others? You willing to learn yourself? As believers, a humble perspective is not just recommended like it's optional. It is essential. It is essential. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples as he's washing their feet? Peter, did I, I, I admit it. I would, this was even as a boy, when my mom read me this verse, I thought, I would do just what Peter did. I would do exactly what he did. I'm like seven years old. And I thought, when Jesus washes his feet, Peter instinctively pulls his feet away. I can see Jesus going, no, Peter, come here. Peter, come here. And, and, and Peter's like, no, Lord, no. What? You're my teacher. You're my rabbi. What are you doing? Get up. I'm supposed to wash your feet. Jesus says, no, no, you'll understand. You'll understand later. Come here. No you're, nev no, you're never doing this. This is horrible. I need to be on the ground doing this to you. And he's, Jesus says, if I do not wash you, Peter, if I, Jesus, do not get down on the ground and wash you, the dirtiest part of you, your feet, you have no share with me. Peter also did just what I would do. Wait, what? No share. Lord, here, let me take off all my clothes. Wash everything right now. Get, wash all of my body. Cleanse me. I need to be the most clean man ever. And Jesus probably laughed and said, <laughs> oh, this guy, what in the world? You know, like, the, one who, the, the one who is clean does not need to wash just his feet. The posture was clear. Jesus was the son of God. Jesus is the son of God. He knows everything. And yet, look what he's doing. It's not knowledge. It's wisdom. Write this down. Write this down. Wisdom is knowledge applied. Wisdom is knowledge applied. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. First off, let's make a side note. There it is again, wisdom and instruction. I want to put it into one word, you know, wisdom and instruction. You know, just like one word. They're all together. They're inseparable. The fear of the Lord. Pause for a minute. You might be thinking, wait a minute. I know a verse in 1 John. What's the verse in 1 John? There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. All right, preacher, what are you saying here? Did I just catch you in something? Did I just catch you in a contradict contradiction? Absolutely not. I'm just really glad you asked. First off, quick plug-in. 1 John is an amazing letter, and everyone needs to read it in this room. It is an unbelievable letter. So well written, the Holy Spirit authored as the rest of the Bible, of course, but everyone in this, in this day and age needs to read 1 John. But this verse is talking about a holy fear in Proverbs. The fear of the Lord, the coming into the room, if you will, with the holy fear and awe that Isaiah had. 
Do you remember the story of Isaiah? Not going to make you turn there, but what was his response to seeing the fullness and glory of the Lord? Basically, let's paraphrase this in 2022 language. Oh, no. That's what he basically said. I am undone. The Lord has shown up here where I am, and I am a mess. I am not even close to his glory. I have totally profaned his name. What's worse is that I'm the prophet. (laughs) Imagine the rest of the people of the children of Israel, right? That is a holy and reverent fear. I would say in a good way, in the middle of Isaiah's brokenness, I'd say, well done. Now, this fear that we're talking about in 1 John that was quickly referenced, if you're thinking that and going, oh, it says there's no fear in love. There is no human fear in love. I'm going to give an example from our childhood. If I say that I love my dad, but yet every time he enters a room, I run out of it. Every time he, he comes to hu- give me a hug, I do this. I am not truly loving my dad, right? There is no, that means there's, no, that does not mean that's my fault. No, 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 no. I'm saying that means there's something broken there. And that is not the love that God, with which God loves us. That's the point. There is no fear in that love. The love with which that God has for us and we have for him is to be accompanied on our end by a holy, awesome fear that we are before the living God of all eternity. And we stand before him naked. We stand before him as he knows everything about us. And we are without excuse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Why is the fear of the Lord the beginning of knowledge? You cannot understand the fullness of the Lord and his redemptive purpose without understanding his glory. This is why, church family, we have believers everywhere who think that you can encounter the living God of the Bible and change nothing about your life. Let that sink in for a minute. That is not only a possible... uh, Thought process today, it is a very, very realized and popular actuality that you can encounter the living God of the Bible, change nothing about your life, and call it redemption. And why is that? Because there is not an understanding of our sin, the fear of the Lord, and his redemption. We think it is a holy and awesome feeling that we get when we enter a room, a large one probably, filled with smoke, with loud drums, crazy music, amazing music, by the way, I'm just going to say that, but there is minimal talk about sin, repentance, and the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ, through such sin and repentance. And it says right here in his word, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Verse 8, he flips the script and says, well, hear my son, your father's instruction. So fools despise this, but you're not a fool, so you reading this, pay heed to your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and penance for your neck. What is the thought process behind this? Why is there taking this father-son, mother-son, child-parent relationship here in these verses? Well, if you remember, well, if you remember, if you recall learning, because you weren't there, uh, but with the children of Israel, growing up in that culture, 
Think of what there was not in terms of communication. Was there any texting your friends? Like, ooh, I just heard this great, I'm gonna tweet this. No, no. Was there a social networking? No. Guys, there was barely clean water, let alone technology. The way you communicated the teachings, because get this, not everyone could even read, is through the family generations. When the original readers would see this proverb from Solomon, they would see, hear my son, your father's teaching, your mother's teaching, and they would think to myself, themselves, oh, yes, what our parents taught us and what their parents taught them and what we're going to teach our children. This was of such high importance in the family structure. Solomon is saying, from the most elementary aspect of your faith, from the most elementary aspect of your family, these teachings, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That is to be from the foundation of the home and the anchor by which a person lives their life. It's really good, right? And yet today in our culture, we just don't know. We think these are cool poems, right? Like, oh, that's really good. Who wrote that? I'm going to quote that. Like, no, no, this is the elements of the children of Israel's faith. And yet, you, you, you can go down the line and go, wait a minute, and they still missed it. They still missed it when the Messiah arrived. It went right over their head. Let it be a good lesson to us believers, right? That, wow, they knew everything, if you will. They, they, they were taught. The, their teachers were, could quote any verse from Genesis through Deuteronomy whenever they wanted because they knew it all by heart. And yet, when the Messiah came, whew, right over their head. Right? Let us, in likewise manner, understand wisdom in humility and that we as believers are to apply it to our lives humbly. Challenge us this today. Teach this to your house. Sure, there's other forms of it. Use it to our advantage. We can actually use social media for the Bible. That's fantastic. We have, instead of carrying hundreds of books everywhere we go for different translations, we have apps that I can pull up the most random Bible on, 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 the, on this app of mine I have. I have a few apps. I, I found a Hawaiian pigeon Bible the other day. That's amazing. Like you, That is, is so elementary with translation and so widespread. We have everything we want on our fingertips for the word of God. If we as believers would humbly apply wisdom and the sound teaching we receive to those resources, can you imagine what God would do? Can you imagine what God would do regardless? But he has gifted us such abilities and such resources. But above all, the biggest resource we have, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. If you would turn with me to our parallel text in Proverbs 3, even more well-known than this text, I would say. Proverbs 3, we'll read the first few verses, and we'll, and we'll compare the two. They build off each other in some ways. They, like I said, they parallel each other in others. Wonderful, wonderful two texts. Continuing on, of course, from Solomon, in verse 1 of chapter 3, he says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Sound familiar? Verse 2, For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Verse 3, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. 
Verse 5, the well-known verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Verses 7 and 8, the lesser-known verses. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. You see the similarities in these two texts? It can't get any more similar than verse 1. It literally continues what the, our last verse we went over in chapter 1. Keep my, do not forget my teaching. Keep my commandments. I love how in the original languages they focused on the different sides in the verse. Watch this in the first part. My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep the commandments. So don't forget, but keep. Don't forget, but keep. No, there's no halfway here. He's not stopping halfway. He's saying, hey, guys, just make sure you don't forget these teachings. No, he says, not only don't forget them, but let your heart keep the commandments. Let these be absorbed deeply into your life. Why? For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. There's two interpretations to this. This verse is probably the most maybe ambiguous of the verses. People always want to know, well, is this, is this eternal life? Or are we talking earthly life here? In a way, I do think it's both. Uh, we, we often forget that just as the Psalms, the original audience was man to God, the Psalms can be described as what worship songs, right? This, us speaking to God. In the same way, Proverbs are almost meant sometimes man to man, as we see wise sayings throughout life. We see uh, verses on laziness and verses on wealth and verses on children, and etc. Earthly life. I, th I think Solomon meant, no, like if you literally follow these commandments, you will live a long, happy life. I mean, no day is guaranteed, of course, beyond today. But at the same time, your life will be long and be prosperous in the sight of God because you're a believer in him. And then, of course, the, the, uh, the other side is eternal life. If you are a believer and you were not a believer, you now have long days and years of life and peace because you have peace with God our Father through Jesus Christ. So I think that's a very... Uh, there's a two-way approach there. I really do think it's both in verse 2. Verse 3, love this verse. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Let them not leave you. Steadfast love and faithfulness. You know how hard those things are in our culture? A culture that everybody's a victim. Everybody wants to be validated for what they feel. Everybody. You see it all over. Like, all you got to do is get on social media for five seconds, and you want to push the door shut because it's just like this mass of just like thunderstorms of like feelings and stuff and arguments. You're like, whoa, shut the door here because everybody wants to feel validated in them. The problem with that, everyone, and you might know this, is because feelings are fickle. <laughs> you want to feel validated at one thing on Monday, but then Thursday you're feeling something totally different. And guess what? I got to validate that too. That's the world we live in. So, so this may not be an easy thing in our world today. You may say that to your neighbor who's an unbeliever, and they're like, faithfulness, steadfast love. What is steadfast these days, right? It might seem unfamiliar to them, a word that we hear in church all the time. Steadfast love and faithfulness. Believers, has anyone told you recently to keep up the faith? Because we are in a battle. Maybe we don't realize that. We get caught up in the business of life. I, I know I do. 
Sometimes life just gets so busy, you're thinking about the daily routine, and before you know it, you're, you're fighting through the daily routine just to get to the next daily routine. And you're like, wait a minute, why am I doing this? You know, you have to, you have to remember why you're doing this. It, it, life is crazy. You just, I'm picturing scenarios in my mind right now. That's why I, why I laughed about it. But uh, steadfast love and faithfulness, understanding something more than just the daily doing the motions of this life. That when someone hurts you, when you forgive them, that confounds the world. Right? They're like, huh? You didn't, you didn't post about it? You didn't get together with a friend group and <laughs> pray for them? Uh, you, 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 you didn't seek validation? You just forgave them? What does that mean? Right? Today, today's relationships, marriages. Oh, he hurt you? Hurt him back. Let's go. I fried. Tooth for tooth. Let's get it. Friendships. It's just like biting, right? The world expects that these days. It's an expectation. So when there is faithfulness, when there is steadfastness of heart and mind, the world has no idea what to do. I firmly believe when believers do that, when they live out steadfast love and faithfulness, these are believers that change the world for Jesus Christ because the world sees something they do not see in every church building. Sadly, few. And there's something that they don't have and they're, these days, we can take advantage of it because they're openly admitting this. The world sees hope. And we're living in an age, if there's any, if there's any positivity here, the world is admitting it is hopeless. I'm seeing more than ever before unbelievers saying that it's, just, it's hopeless. There's no coming back from this in their minds, right? We can use that as believers. We can use that to spread the message of hope and true hope found in Jesus Christ. So, in verse 4, you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. I like how he puts and man in there because we are talking about the earthly life as well. You will find favor and success. God will grant you not just eternal life. He will grant you life on this earth. As you go about your, your mission for him and you live out your life through him, he will open doorways. I, I think we have a lot of believers who don't believe that today. Maybe life has been so difficult and challenging, and I totally, oh my goodness, I totally understand that. Or maybe it's been just kind of blah, I don't know. We just don't really think about the power of God in our daily lives. We will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. His word not only says it, but his word proves it in the form of Jesus Christ. Verses 5 through 8, wonderful, wonderful verse. You're going to put a verse in a picture frame and hang on your wall. Let's do a section of the Bible like this, Proverbs 5 and 8 through 8. You trust in the Lord with all your heart. You don't lean on your own understanding. You lean on the Lord. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Look at the humility here. And he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. This is the key to wisdom. Trust in the Lord. Humility of heart, right? Not leaning on your own understanding. Being not wise in your own eyes. Giving all the glory to him. Humility. We see trust and humility. Fear the Lord, the fear of the Lord, which results in you turning away from evil, and that will bring healing. Guys, wisdom brings healing, not only to you, but to others. 
And the reason is not in anything you have to offer, but because who is guiding the wisdom process, which is God. But see, see, here's where we get it wrong. We have people believing from the get-go that wisdom is knowledge. So all we got to do is just really study a lot, think we know a lot, and then just spew it, and we're good to go, right? So we don't have to interact with our neighbor. We can just yell the truth of God's word to him, right? We don't have to interact with them. We can just walk out of our door with a Bible in our left hand because they look out the window and they see the left hand, so they're like, oh, Bible, cool. And, and as if that will change them. We think maybe, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll just tell everybody at church what I know about God, and then they'll go out. That's good, right? No, no. Approaching wisdom as knowledge from the get-go brings about trouble. There's no humility. There's no fear of the Lord. There's no interaction with unbelievers sometimes. There, there, there's no trust lived out in life. There's not really as much mutual encouragement among believers. And above all, there's, there's, there's not, that, not that humility, and as I said, fear of the Lord. Because it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Giving God the first fruits, not only in the form of a tithe, absolutely in the form of a tithe, but above and beyond, first fruits of everything. You ever seen somebody, maybe it's yourself, it probably is, but someone who, who gives the bare minimum and stops? I'm not talking financially, I'm talking about life. We all did this when we were kids. That's why I said you could see it yourself, right? Your parents tell you to do something. I know I did this. And I would do the bare minimum. I get that millimeter measurement. I just get right above that line of this is obedience. And I'd begrudgingly be like, okay. And you do it, right? You do what you're supposed to do, but just barely and enough with a passive this is bothering me type of look, right? That's what we do when we're kids. We, we're guilty of doing that. But often we don't realize that we do that as adults. We do it in the workplace at times. I know, I know we've done it. I, I've been an athletic coach, right? You see fellow coaches and you see players do this all the time, meet the bare minimum. And I wonder if we, we, if we looked hard enough inside ourselves, of course, introspection, that we'd see that in the church. Notice I'm not saying you start calling out everybody. Like, we're just like, well, I've definitely seen it in him. Like, oh, over there, he's definitely doing it. No, I'm talking about starting with yourself. Well, God, am I, am I giving you my first fruits? What does that look like? Well, am I, am I starting off the day praising you? Maybe that's one example. Well, I, 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 I don't have much time in the day. Am I giving him the first fruits of my time? Well, there's just, you know, there's, there, there's, not, there's not much going on uh, of, of, of free time. Well, am, am I giving that? Am I loving my wife, loving husband, the way that would be giving God the first fruits of my marriage? It's good, right? Man, I'm just, am I loving God towards my kids? First fruits of the relationship with my kids? Am I seeking to share his goodness? How about in evangelism? Witnessing. Am I giving the first fruits of that time, or am I just trying to find the minimum way out? So I'm still participating, but I'm not really doing anything. Am I, in my time with the Lord, giving the first fruits, right? This is one that's, that's very difficult. Am I catching myself just kind of reading through the Bible? Okay, great verse, good verse. Or am I, am I seeking to apply it to my life? Realizing, okay, it's great if I can read the Bible in a year, 
but I would rather read one chapter and, and, and apply it <laughs> and, and move from there than say, oh, I read the Bible in a year, not to knock on that at all, by the way. That's a fantastic accomplishment, but, but are we applying is the focus here. Wisdom, knowledge, wisdom, <laughs> knowledge. I firmly believe that though the world doesn't always know the difference between those two words and application, the world does know and will recognize believers who know the difference. It is not, I promise you, the word of, the, the word of God is powerful. The word of God is living. God can do anything, and he does according to his will. But I guarantee you it is not by magic that somebody just shows up in front of you and says, Something's different. You're bothering me because something's different, and I want to know what it is. It's not, not by magic that happens. The life that has been carefully cultivated and prepped, just like a garden or a farmer's crops, it is ready when harvest comes. Harvest doesn't magically show up, and the crops are full. The farmer doesn't go, whoa, how'd that happen? I have no idea, but I have it. Here we go, income. This is great. Nobody says that. Nobody does that. But... I guarantee you, the farmer who, has, who has, has sown, has made much effort when it's dirty and mucky, gross, smelly, and when thieves come, and when crazy crow raven birds come to steal stuff, right? And he defends that. And then the livestock are killed or attacked, and he, he's defending them. And, and these days, when machinery breaks, which feels like every day, I'm sure, when all of this happens and the harvest comes to fruition, and he sees the crops, he knows exactly why they're there. He knows exactly what to say. He knows exactly what to do because his, because his work, his life, has been carefully cultivated and prepared. So it should be with the children of God because Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Church family, the harvest is here. It's right outside the door. There's an opportunity for amazing missions. And guess what? This church service is not, I, I, this might, I hope it doesn't step on toe here. This church service is not missions. This church service is rejuvenation. A time where we can see fellow believers, give them a big old hug and say, I, I've missed you all week. How you been? But then you go out and you got a mission to live. That's what this is for. That's what this time in the word of God is for. A time today where we focus on wisdom. But I pray, I pray that uh, prayerfully every time we open this glorious book and we spend time in the presence of God that we are truly receiving godly wisdom. Let's pray. Father, once again, echoing what we opened up by saying your word is powerful. I feel like I need to say that to myself at the beginning and end of maybe each, each time I open up your word. Just as that reminder, because not only is your word powerful, not only is it living, but your word is here with us in physical form. We, as people of uh, the United States of America, have such a measure of resources that it can be quite astounding. Lord, as people who are to be wise, as people who, as professing believers, do have knowledge, may we apply such knowledge and wisdom to our very lives. May we serve with love. May we seek your will above all else, defending the truth of your name and making disciples who then go back out and make disciples. Bless the rest of the service, Lord, and even more so, bless our week to come. 
We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at FCCSobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.